0: Alec, what's up, bro? How's it going? It's going well, so I'm super excited about this conversation because this might be the most important conversation we've had so far. Well,
1: glad to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, so uh, I don't know. We've had we've talked about passing the parents, we've talked about the ego, we've talked about a lot of stuff, we've talked about communication. But the reason I wanted you to ha- to have you on here is you are the youngest guest I've ever had on this podcast, by far. i um, it. you're part of that uh mythical Gen Z. So, born between 1996 and 2010, and the reason I thought this conversation would be so useful is a lot of people who listen to this podcast, um, they're going to have more and more interaction with that generation, whether it's in a leadership role, whether in management at work, or in a church role, or community role, or, or sports role. Um, so, I thought it'd be worthwhile just having a Gen Zer come on who's a little more mature than the rest of them, and give us a little insight into that world. So. Give us an Alec, you know, 10,000 foot view. Who are you? Uh, so my name is Alex Schwab. I, uh,
1: have been grown up in Nashville, Tennessee since I was about six months old. Um, gone to Catholic school here, uh, just in Bellmead, um, went to Father Ryan just, a uh, just right, right down the road. And then, um, gone to school, played soccer all in, uh, Nashville. Then, um, went to play at the collegiate level and then went to the university of Tennessee after playing two years of college soccer. Cool. Um, and then now back in Nashville.
0: Boom. So, you know, we, um, we millennials, people born between 1980 and 1995, we tend to get a lot of the slack that your generation should be getting. For example, um, the Tide Pod or the pod eating challenge or whatever the hell that was. Everyone was like, damn millennials. No, damn Gen Zers. That was you people eating stupid Tide Pods. No, I, I agree with that.
1: I definitely <laughs> think that the term millennial is being used to describe anybody younger than a, a baby boomer. Kind of, yeah. So, But there hasn't been a much, much talk around the fact that millennials are kind of moving up. To the adulthood stage, and Gen Z's the new, the new millennial. Yeah, I mean, post millennial.
0: Yeah, thirty nine year olds are millennials. Yeah, that's the crazy part. People yeah. don't think about it. Uh, so, and, and that's why when I started this podcast, people were like, "Well, what are you going to talk to? Like eighteen year olds?" I'm like, "No, millennial manhood is at the time. Well, yeah, a year ago was what twenty eighteen. Yeah, well, I'm saying it was like at the time it was like 23, 24 year olds to thirty eight year olds. Yeah, that's that's that group. So, okay." Let's take a step back. So you've just recently graduated. You're in the real world now, quote unquote, real world. What are some of the challenges you've seen in communication between older generations and your generation where there seems to be some sort of a divide where, you, where to you, it's just so blatantly obvious. Of like, how can you, how can you screw this up so badly?
1: Um, I think, I think the biggest, the biggest controversy is not between primarily Gen Z and millennials. It's, Gen Z versus kind of almost baby boomers to where that communication via internet, texting, calls, FaceTime, all these new things that are available that Gen Z can just I mean I know 4-year-olds, 5-year-olds that are able to use a cell phone better than my parents. Yeah. And so it's it's weird to see someone not be able to send a text or have a hard time being able to use the internet or not know what Wi-Fi is. That kind of, I mean, just simple stuff that you wouldn't think was a problem, and it's fairly simple and whatnot. So I think that's a, it's a big problem.
0: Yeah, so, okay, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So the communication breakdown. So one of the things that I've heard people complain about uh, is nobody talks on the phone. No, nobody knows how to communicate. It's all via text. It's all digital which I agree with to a degree that there is an art that's being lost in this sense of communication. However, the same argument could have been made 60 years ago with the mass production of the telephone with people saying, Oh, you've lost the art of writing letters to communicate. You only want to call people.
1: I think that's, that's an accurate uh, comparison.
0: Yeah. So, so there's this, there's this weird transitioning that's happening where, you know, you look at our parents where I look at my mom and dad and I'm looking at them and saying, you're intelligent people. I know for a fact you're smart. How in the hell can you not figure out this iTunes password? How is this possible? How is this humanly possible that you can't figure it out? And and to my generation, we're well, what's called digitally savvy.
1: Yeah. Your
0: generation is digitally native. Yeah. OK, so you had social media, the Internet. Uh, uh, cell phone, smartphones from a very, very early age. I, uh, I mean, I didn't get a Facebook until like junior year of, co- of high school. So yeah. Instagram to me was probably junior or senior year of college. Yeah. Um, And, and in your world, everything is Snapchat and everything is Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts around like that? That mindset?
1: I mean, it, it's definitely all Gen Z's are you're on Snapchat, you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, You're just, you're so well connected with people that are thousands of miles to a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we just have this common knowledge of just always wanting to be in the know and sharing our lives with everyone else. And that, I feel like a, that can be a bad thing and a good thing at okay. the same time.
0: Um, what do you mean bad and good? Elaborate on those.
1: Um, I think people, especially our Gen Z generation, um, we tend to you go to a concert, mm-hmm. your phone's videoing the entire concert, you're not enjoying the moment. Okay. But then there's really good times when my my grandparents are on Facebook mm-hmm. and I go on a I just went to Hawaii recently with my girlfriend and took all these amazing pictures and posted them. And my grandma is able to see all that. Yeah. As to where without Facebook or some type of social media, she would have I would have had to printed those pictures, mailed them to her, and then that would have been a much longer process than her logging on and being able to see see my life without having to have an hour conversation once a week just to catch up real quick. Yeah, because um, everyone's busy, and that's a something not many people
0: do. Well, actually, take take it back one step. You said everyone's busy. Talk to me about that concept. So, how overwhelmed do you feel that most Gen Zers? Experience their life from from an overwhelm, overwhelmed, standpoint.
1: So, how do Gen Z like? Do you think Gen Z's?
0: Yeah, just are, your peers. Um, I will I will say that
1: a lot of friends and a lot of I mean I've had family members and so forth. Uh, I think they're not used to the overload of stress, and so I've seen a lot of Gen Zs become get anxiety or depression super quickly as to where. You didn't really hear much about it mm-hmm. in previous generations. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with social media. But it also just, I think, Gen Zs don't handle a heavy amount of stress in being able to process it. Or um, they have a hard time loading up the scale of what they can do and what they have time for.
0: Now, obviously, this is all anecdotal evidence because we're just talking about your experience. Yes, yeah, It's not exactly like done a bunch of studies on it. But why... Why do you think that is? What, what is the catalyst within the way you experience the world being raised? Because you're a product of – you're not really a product of 9-11 because you don't really remember
1: 9-11. I remember the I, – You I, remember it happening, yeah. but it's like
0: saying to me you remember Desert Storm. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. great. Um, but like to me, 9-11, I remember every single moment yeah. of that day Yeah, it's very, very vividly. Yeah. You're more of a product of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. and the iPhone. Absolutely. A- and and that revolution. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is causing your generation to, because because to a lot of managers in particular in the work world, what I'm seeing is a frustration with the inability to handle stress. Mm-hmm. And that's, they're, they're getting angry and frustrated because there's a lack of communication. So what, again, the goal today is just to help people understand what do you think is causing that friction within Gen Z?
1: Um. I would say it's just a, we're constantly, we were, like you said, the native generation with technology and iPhones and stuff. So we always had that instant gratification Yeah. of, okay, I'm going to open my phone. I'm going to buy something and it's going to be at my house tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have to drive anywhere. I don't, I don't have to do anything. We just raised, we're raised that way. We weren't introduced to it. We just, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest communication problem is I think millennials were raised a different way than we were raised and around different things. So we, I don't think we really get how, how to take in those, uh, I guess, parenting, uh, I don't know how to say it. The parenting methods that you guys were raised on Mm -hmm. were completely different for us. In what way? Um, your parents didn't have to raise you around a cell phone. Fair. Our parents had to, Yep. I got a cell phone at 12 and on that birthday, my dad gave me his first cell phone, which he got at 31. Yeah. That's a, that's a big gap. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I couldn't imagine a life where I didn't get a cell phone until 31. Yeah. I would be so like, I would be outdated for my generation and so far behind. Yeah. Um, uh, because everyone else has it right in front of them. Yeah. The entire world pretty much. Um, so I think the lack of communication is just baby boomers and millennials want things done a certain way and millennials or gen z's are very I'm going to find out how to do it my own way. It's a, we're a very entrepreneurial generation. Yeah, we want things I think we want money instantly mm-hmm. and we want to find the quickest path to it and we're finding out that being your own boss Is that route? Yeah. So I think it's just, it's hard to tell like very few Gen Z's I know like to be told what to do. Yeah. And they want to do it themselves.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I've, I've been reading about what this generational gap is. um, So my generation was raised primarily by boomers. Your generation was raised primarily by Gen Xers. Yeah. Um, So One of the big things within the neuroscience world right now is, well, really over the last five years, is you lose all connection to somebody, particularly in your generation, the moment you insult their pride. Okay? Perceived or real. Yeah. The moment you talk at somebody instead of talking with somebody, they're gone. They have zero. Mm -hmm. Their attention span is not willing to, to handle that. Whereas maybe a boomer, and millennials are very similar to that, but whereas maybe a boomer or Gen Xer was willing to put up with more crap. Mm-hmm. Before they broke.
1: Um, we're a very sensitive generation.
0: Correct. sensitive In,
1: and, in some aspects, not every aspect.
0: Correct. Uh. And and some of it is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain aspects of just being a more accepting and loving culture in general is a positive thing. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of having less assholes out there. <laughs> but there, there's a pendulum swing on both ends of, mm-hmm. of that where it's like, okay, I can't even have a conversation with you because... We can't flush anything out because I if I at any moment in time with any word that I say hurt your feelings, you shut down, Mm -hmm. which stops progress.
1: Yeah. And it's it's that is definitely a big factor in the communication problem. The communication between current managers and brand new employees. Yeah. Um, I mean, from my experience, I've even experienced that with friends. I mean I tell me about it. Just sometimes like you you can't say something like like you said if you talk at them and not to them they will you just see a swing in their emotion mm. they don't want to respond anymore and they feel hurt until you apologize and acknowledge that you were wrong and i think that is a definite miscommunication problem because if a boss were to send a message to an employee that was to them might not be hurt feelings is just facts and that like, Hey, you did this form wrong. You need to redo it. They might say that is see that in a completely different light and be hurt by it. And then have what Gen Z's are like my friends. And I call it beef. Mm. Like you just have, have something that's not your relationship isn't solid at the time.
0: So, okay. Take it, take it a step back. You just said until you apologize, acknowledge that you were wrong. The problem comes in though. What if I don't believe I'm wrong?
1: Then, I mean, I've had instances where me and said friend or acquaintance both agree we think we're right. Mm. And so then then it becomes a the matter of fact, okay, are we going to be able to have a civil conversation and buckle down and say, okay, what do you think and what do I think? And can we come to terms with both thinking we're right? Or are, you, are we going to be stubborn and say, no, you're the one that's wrong? Mm. And I think...
0: Which is where the relationship deteriorates at that point
1: deteriorates or you just you just have a, a lull in that connection for a little bit until either a it passes or B you just kind of one of you gets over it or you or maybe you do have that talk where hey we're better than this like I'm sorry like we're both sorry yeah, but um yeah, I think that that can be a huge factor in miscommunication.
0: So let me ask you this. I had a whole episode last year um, with a clinical psychologist on loneliness and men. Yeah. And that conversation primarily revolved around men who are maybe mid-20s and older. Okay. okay. But let's talk about guys in particular around your age, maybe a little younger. You know, I've heard a lot of people complain about being lonely. And I think back at college. Look, I went to the University of Tennessee as well. It's a big there's, school. There's 32,000 people there everybody's beautiful young and full of energy trying to have fun <laughs> yeah like that's literally what it's about absolutely um and it's it, it's i'm not going to call it the greatest time of your life because i think that's an insult to the rest of your life i think that's an absolutely ridiculous well, it's, concept. You're,
1: you're putting your peak in your 20s when you have so much when you're you're broke you're trying you're just trying to pass school yeah and you
0: know nothing about life yeah so um I'm not gonna call it the best time of your life, but it is it's a
1: great experience.
0: Wonderful, wonderful experience. Nice little buffer in between being a child in the real world, yeah. etc. I'm having a really hard time understanding how there could be this continuous dialogue and commentary on loneliness. Yeah. And again, because I didn't live through that very specific generation, but talk to me about that. Is that something you've noticed, seen? Um
1: <laughs> I definitely see for not, I wouldn't say just friends of mine, but you can tell some people feel lonely. They feel maybe left out, maybe, um, not a part of something. Yeah. Um, I think a big thing nowadays is with social media. I think social media is, causes a lot of this anxiety, depression, loneliness. Um, I think that has, is a big root of it. Maybe not the entire problem. Mm-hmm. Uh but definitely a, a big percentage of why that is. Um,
0: now, what's interesting about social media with your generation is you don't really care about Facebook.
1: No. I don't even log on. My friends will say, oh, something was posted to Facebook. I'd be like, I have to go check it out since they said something. Yeah. I do not constantly go on to
0: Facebook. Yeah. Facebook is like a boomer phenomenon at this point.
1: Absolutely. Uh, everyone's, everyone's parents, grandparents, yes. aunts, uncles are on it.
0: So my generation, we don't really care about Facebook either. We care about Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. You guys apparently care about Instagram and Snapchat, I'm, which is really interesting yeah. to me because that's, it goes from characters that you have to read to short videos that you sent.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I love Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is my go-to if I'm on an app or anything. It's majority of the time. It's that. Okay. Um, Pro- probably because I have it's to me it's like a mini YouTube. Mm-hmm. I can see pictures and then I can there's a page you can explore and I follow business leader financial pages sports pages lifting pages I mean anything and then I can just watch videos and it's instant knowledge in my mind because I can watch it while I think we're also known as a multitasker generation mm-hmm. and I can watch it while doing two other things yeah um, and then. I'm learning something without having to fully pay attention to it, um, which I think is helpful.
0: Okay, but do you think that's hindering, folks? The you said learning something without fully paying attention to it. It's almost as if you're eliminating the expert.
1: Um, I would say the learning side of it isn't. I'm not like listening to some uh, video about. So, uh, some science topic to mm. where like I need to be taking notes and learning about it. I'm, I'm talking more so maybe a, a craft. Yeah. Like a, like for me, I'm, I work out. That's one of my hobbies. It calms me down. It helps me get through the day. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can go through lifting videos yeah. and watch those, take a quick glance. Okay. That's how you do that. Cool. Do it. It's In- instant knowledge to exercise exercise. Yeah. Um, And then just also like sports stuff. I didn't catch the game. I didn't have time to
0: see a highlight real quick. Yeah. See a meme about it. Highlights.
1: Yeah, everything. Um, And it's very helpful. Now, I think it is really bad because social media, like Instagram, you see pictures of people that are way above your your wealth and they're doing all these amazing things. And we want it. Everyone wants to be... Maybe not okay. Not everyone, but there's a high value around being rich, famous. Uh, now on Instagram, it's like being a um, influencer. What? Influencer, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to be an influencer yep. for fashion, for makeup, for clothes, for sport. I mean, anything. Yeah, if they can be an influencer. They want to do it. Yeah, and then people pride themselves off of that, or people constantly want to. Oh, I want to be an influencer. I have to get all these followers. I have to impress people, and then you do it, and you're living for the likes. You're not living to live, which is a big problem in
0: my eyes. Living for the likes. So well, and I also want want to unpack something a little deeper there. So you you talked about learning quick hits, videos, etc. Here's something, and this is we're all guilty of this. This is not. the neural pathways in our brain have basically been fundamentally restructured in the last 15 years. And there's a lot of uh, studies that actually show this because your neurotransmitters are very malleable. Okay. This is not like evolution is happening. It's just the fact that you can change the way your neurons shoot off. Um, basically you can hold somebody's attention for six to 12 minutes. Yeah. Continuously. Okay. Um, Anything outside of that, you're going to lose them. And on average, it's going to take them about 21 minutes to come back from an attention standpoint to you. Okay? Yeah. It's part of the reason, like within the podcast world, I try to switch topics, questions, bounce around to keep it fresh and interesting. You can't yeah. drag on forever unless it's a very specific topic. So something to all the leaders out there, the managers, the, the whoever is listening, you have to make your message quick. And to the point. And to the point. You cannot have a two-hour lecture out there because they will look at their phone a million times and every Instagram notification, every email, everything that buzzes, They their brain automatically thinks, oh, that's more important than what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can almost guarantee you without being in college during your time, but I saw it during my time, attention paid to the professor probably plummeted.
1: I I mean, I'm faulty of that. Yeah. I had I had professors that we'd have an hour and 15, hour and 10-minute class. And I would sit in the back of the classroom because I, I personally don't like sitting in the front. I like the the farther away view. Um, but I would look down, and it's kind of like a, a sloped classroom. And I mean, I'd look an A and B uh, actually knows uh, SM, the SMG building uh, G four and G two. Okay, um, sorry,
0: that was a little Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee you, you'd
1: contract. have to go there. Yeah. Uh, either way, so it's a sloped classroom, and I look down. But the professor's teaching about. Uh,
0: Wack. anthropology or yeah, whatever
1: like our finance class he teach about the whack yeah and so we're we're sitting there and i look and maybe two people out of 80 90 are really paying attention writing notes following along with the powerpoint or excel spreadsheet or whatever everybody else phones behind the computer pinterest facebook instagram shopping online doing homework from other classes anything but listening to what that teacher had to say
0: isn't that slightly disturbing, though?
1: It's very disturbing. But it's just, it just they, is they, they just lose your attention. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not fun. It's not entertaining. You'd much rather be with your buddy at the pool or going to the gym or going to the bar. Yeah. Whatever. I had night classes, so I mean, it really just depends on. What everyone else is doing, maybe go back to sleep because you're tired and exhausted from studying for hours on hours, or hungover. That too, I'm not, <laughs> not going to say that's that happened to me too often, but that too. Um, luckily, I didn't have any eight a.m., so that was pretty nice. Uh, but no, the attention span is so low. The yeah. only I, I can recall one class, two classes during college, to where I didn't touch my phone the, en- the entire class, and that was my. Business law class and the business Excel class. A because one of them, if you didn't pay attention for the entirety of the class, you were there was you were lost. Yeah, and the other one, the teacher was
0: phenomenal. Mm. She oh, grabbed oh, okay. our attention. Okay, you elaborate. I want you to talk as much. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, talk yeah. as much as possible about this teacher.
1: um So she was a previous lawyer. Okay. Which most. She's like, I know you guys are gonna think law is boring, so I'm gonna to try to make it entertaining. Okay. Um. So we we were sitting there, and a she had a very strict rule on phones, so you didn't want to test that. Yeah. But at the same time, from my standpoint, sitting in class, I that was one class I sat in or the towards the front. I loved listening to her talk because she talked with such enthusiasm, and so much like joy for what she was teaching us mm. that it was fun. And yeah. then the cases she brought up to demonstrate how the law worked or when it would be applied, she found the most entertaining law like cases that you could possibly mind to where like, you're like, this is, this is actually kind of interesting.
0: Mm. Uh, okay. keyword Interesting. What made it interesting?
1: Uh, so I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the target case Mm-mm. to where um, brief really quickly. Target analysts had come up with a formula to predict when when women were pregnant. Okay, if you buy said products, there's like a random list. I mean, it's so random. There is a very large percent chance that you are pregnant. Okay, so more. So what happened was this: this teenage girl was buying these products, and Target sent to their address baby coupons, like coupons for all baby stuff. Interesting, and the dad of that daughter called and was livid. And I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there was some type of lawsuit or something. Um, but there was a case brought up about it to where the dad raved and was pissed. And he's like, nobody in my family is pregnant. Like stop sending me this stuff. Like turns out she was pregnant. He found out later 16 year old or not six. I don't want to say the age. I don't know the age, Yeah, but his daughter who's, who was in high school, she wasn't, she was still at home, was pregnant. Wow. And so they predicted that, which, I mean, that even goes into analytics and how that stuff can be is crazy. Now AI is just insane. Yeah. But the fact like that was interesting. Yeah. It's a story everyone goes to. Yeah. It's, it makes sense. Like it was just something that wrapped everyone in the class.
0: So she wasn't just reading to you from a PowerPoint. Going through the motions and boring you to death. She was engaging you. She wasn't talking. Keyword. Think back what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. She wasn't talking at you. She was talking with you. Exactly.
1: Um, and she, I mean, she was really good at it. Even when she was just talking through the PowerPoint, she talked with enthusiasm. She talked loudly and very clear to where you could, you were, you were awake. It wasn't the teacher that mumbles in the front of the class and reads word for word the PowerPoint. Yeah, and a very monotone voice that you can just you can lean back and fall asleep in. Like yeah. it wasn't that class, and the class was full. Yeah, like I mean, it was just one of those classes that everyone's there, but everyone was taking notes, paying attention the entire time.
0: Well, and that's interesting because a lot of times you can end up with professors who have the personality of a napkin, and that's being generous. That's- and, and and here's the reality, folks. Okay, you're. This isn't just the case with Gen Zers. You have to earn people's attention in 2019. Your prestige, your position at work, your degree, your whatever, I don't care what it is, in 2019 does not automatically guarantee you attention. You have to fight for minutes with everybody because so many different things are pulling at people's attention. Absolutely. And she did it by being engaging Mm-hmm. By making it interesting, by making it something where you actually wanted to learn. Exactly. I mean, think about how fun that class was and how boring another professor could make that same exact topic.
1: Oh, you could turn you could turn around and make that class a living hell for some students because it was just bland information. Yeah. There was nothing there was nothing super exciting about the information. It was the way the
0: information was It was the presentation. Like, yeah, exactly. It was it was how how it was brought to you the communication style exactly of, of the individual that's really really fascinating so go back to to the loneliness portion amongst you know just folks your age we we talked about the instagram we talked about the social media we talked about all those things you're you're so well connected and you've always been well connected mm-hmm. but do you find that it's harder for folks in your generation to truly build relationships yes Okay, elaborate right. on that.
1: So I th- I think nowadays it's just there's instant gratification, but everyone can talk to everyone. Mm. If I sit here in a room with you, yeah, most likely in that conversation, I will have and you will have other people contacting you. Yes, to where you're going to be tempted to look down at your phone. Yep, respond to them and have half an ear listening to what I'm saying, whether that's important or not. It's so difficult nowadays for anyone in our generation to sit down, not look at their phone, and have a simple conversation that's that's meaningful. Not just small talk. I'm talking like a real, genuine conversation. Yeah. And, I mean, for guys, girls, I mean, even in the just the dating world nowadays, it's so
0: vast. Elaborate on that.
1: There's so many, I mean... When you were growing up, could you, did you have people texting you or sliding into your – it's called sliding into your DMs. I know about sliding into the yeah.
0: DMs. Um, no, I didn't. I, I made this joke on the podcast before. I had to call the house and get yelled at by the dad and then still fight through. Fight exactly. the objection. Exactly. Sales training, baby. Let's go. <laughs> fight the objection and get to the phone call.
1: Yeah. No, see, we, we had it at a young age. You just – all you got to do is – text someone yeah, and you're like, or not respond to a text. Exactly. You had, you had the instant gratification of being able to, to talk to someone or not showing that you don't want to talk so, to someone. Yeah. You didn't have to go through this, this weird line of calling and waiting to talk on the home phone just because to while other to people you. are
0: listening to the line on the home phone. Yeah. We don't
1: have that. The yeah. most, I mean the most anybody probably got tormented is if their parents check their phone, but Yeah, it, you can passcode everything. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just the level of privacy is, is high, I guess, with everything that you can do now. Um, so there's no, like you said, co- having to have an open conversation on your your phone in the in the kitchen or living room. Yeah. As to where nowadays you can be anywhere and have a conversation.
0: So what was it like? I mean, you grew up with the tenders and the bumbles of the world. I mean, you yeah. were what seventeen, sixteen when Tinder came out. Yeah. I
1: that I, I didn't. I've been on Tinder. I'm no longer on Tinder. Okay, um, that's but, a good save. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's it was it's just it is it's lonely. And, okay. I, and I I remember this feeling. I don't I don't normally feel lonely, okay. but I know that I know that feeling when you're you're single. Things might not be going your way, or you're just overloaded with things. Like while I was in school, classes, sports, just. Things I have to get done, getting a job, make, making sure I can pay for a rent, food, groceries, that kind of stuff. Um, but then you go online to try to – or you just try to meet people. Yeah, And let's say you, you talk to a girl on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't, don't – you know, the, the very – skim of what you know is that person.
0: You know her best photos, she photoshopped and put together, not photoshopped, but what's it called, uh, face-tuned and put yeah, together and all that crap. Exactly.
1: Like it's just, it's just fake almost. Yeah. So you're not seeing the real person until maybe you do meet with that person and develop a good relationship. Yeah. But most of the time, I mean it's it's meant for quick quick relationships. Yeah. Those those websites were not meant for long-term dating. They were meant for really short experiences. And then that was, that was it.
0: So how are people meeting each other? How are people your age meeting each other for longer relationships?
1: Um, you know, I think or are they not? <laughs> I mean, most, to be honest, most of the people I, I know. So I was in a fraternity at UT. And yeah. so I met most of my people through, I made all my guy friends, not all of them, but I made a, a some of my best friends in that fraternity mm-hmm. um,
0: and Greek life in general. Yeah.
1: Just, you just make friends playing sports, getting to know a bunch of people and then you're introduced to girls. And so that's a face to face interaction. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're not making solid relationships. You're making some of them can be really solid. I'd say probably in college, I've, I, I could say, Oh, I know 200 people. Yeah. How many of those people do I trust? Maybe seven. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I would not tell the other 143 that something's happening in my life, but I would yeah. tell the seven almost anything. Yeah. So it's, it's really, and it took a while to develop those solid relationships. It does take time to build yeah. relationships. And it's, and that's the problem is there's so many, like especially in the, maybe not guys to guys. It's very, like my best friend, we met, and we, I mean, we started spending every day together and now we're like, two peas in a pod. Yeah. Like we can't go anywhere like to where we're not seeing each other once a month just cause we have fun. Now the, the opposite the dating world is just, it's so difficult in my opinion to meet, genuinely meet someone and then can constantly build that relationship.
0: So how, what do you think the long-term ramifications are going to be of that? Because I mean, whether you like it or not, everybody's looking for some sort of a partner to, we are a, we're a mating species, okay? exactly. we partner up. That's what we yeah.
1: do. Um, in my blatant, honest opinion, I think the ramifications are going to be maybe multiple marriages hmm. and I, I, divorce has gone up so much since the baby boomer generation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very sad thing because that can tear families apart or tell, tear friendships apart or relationships but at the same time, it's, it's a problem because you. I can go on Instagram and see other people yeah. and I can text them. yeah, And that used to not be a thing. And then you see you have wants and you have desires that... You're constantly uh, tempting yourself. Yes. The, and I like to think social media is a it's a giant temptation sometimes.
0: Well, and also, I would... So I have a different theory. I'm, mm. I'm not saying I'm wrong yeah. or right, but... I think it's going to be less divorce because I think there's going to be less marriage. And we're already seeing that with millennials. Um, because what I've noticed with folks is like, Oh, you're going to marry so-and-so or whatever it may be. And everybody always tells me like, well, I just want to make, I just want to make sure uh, I'm a hundred percent ready or a hundred percent sure, or a hundred percent put in terminology in there. And my response always is as someone who's married, um, you're never a hundred percent ready because you've never experienced Seriously, it before. Yeah. It's impossible to be a hundred percent ready. Yeah, it's like saying I'm going to have kids when I'm a hundred percent ready. Well, you're never going to be a hundred percent ready to have a human being depending on you and and dying if you don't feed it. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like you you have a child and figure it out. Yeah. That's how it works. You don't know until you do. Correct. And and what I'm seeing just again anecdotal evidence. Um, what I'm seeing is people just constantly. Pushing them back, pushing them back, pushing them back, and with some for legitimate reasons, but just as a whole, it's like I'm waiting for X, and it's like, well, how do you quantify when X is there? Okay.
1: Well, so to can I go off of that? Go for it. Um, I would say that's very true, and marriages are being pushed off later because because I would like to say, not like to say, but I think it is just from what I can tell, is we're kind of a selfish generation. Mm-hmm. We want what's best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, in my scenario, me and my girlfriend both have said, we don't, we don't want to get married till late twenties as to where, um, and not, not because we don't think that's a possibility, but because we want to have a successful career and do, do things while being a couple, but not under like not getting married yet or having kids or doing that kind of thing. We want to treat ourselves first and then decide later. Um, And I think that's a very common thing, Hmm. Um, just wanting, putting yourself first, even before sometimes your partner or girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever you're talking to. Um, And I think that's just, we want what's best for
0: us. Yeah. And it's one of those things, I mean, even think about just now. So we've been talking for 38 minutes. How hard has it been for you to not want to check your phone? I would
1: would say I'm an outlier. Okay. I'm very good about putting my, I knew we were going to have a, this conversation. Yeah. Put my phone on silent. Didn't want to touch it. Okay. I do not. I, when I study, I put my phone on silent. I don't want to
0: touch it. Okay. You are an
1: outlier. I, I used to, I used to always have to check my phone. My parents used to get mad at me. I think it's just a, a maturity thing. Mm. I would say that over the past, I would just say two years. Okay. Um, working kind of starting to get into the adulthood life to where i'm gonna to have to be taking care of myself treat others with respect you get respect mm-hmm. um nobody wants to talk to somebody when they're looking at their screen yep you want to be have a solid interaction and i think that's a big communication to problem too is because if i if i sat down here and i was talking but at the same time i'm scrolling through instagram you're way not, end the interview yeah exactly you would be, <laughs> like, you would be upset yeah and I, be rightfully so yeah um So I think I just over the past, I would say three years, I've had two internships. I worked with an age group that was a little older than I was. And it just kind of, not like they told me to do something or I think just just, evolved. Yeah. Um, and so I try to limit myself to what I, how much I'm on my phone, especially now that I'm in an environment to where I need to focus and get serious. Yeah. Um,
0: well, we're I've really enjoyed this conversation. Sadly we're coming up on time, but I've I've got the same question I always ask, and that's if you could go back to eighteen year old Alec, which is a lot less time than most of our guests, but go back to eighteen year old Alec. Years, four, four years. years um, wide eyed, bushy tailed coming on the coming on to college. Um, what what's one piece of advice you would give yourself?
1: That's that's it's a broad question because there are probably 50 things I would tell myself. Just one baby. Um, I would say have an open mind. Cool. I didn't, I, if you would have told me four years, what I, what my life would be like now. Um, I've had a few big changes in my life. I don't, I don't think I would have believed it or I would have been very, I think I would have handled the situation much differently as an 18 year old than I was as a 21, 22 year old. Yeah. Um, and so I would say be open minded. Okay. Um, especially in today's world when everything is so different, and you have to be open to things to kind of progress in the world. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a huge, huge advantage to know as an eighteen year old.
0: I think every eighteen year old should hear that. So be more open minded. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, well, Alec, thanks for thanks for sharing some of your just in depth wisdom
1: absolutely all this gray hair is uh, Yeah, yeah all that gray hair out.
0: on your head uh but now i'll I'll, uh, I'll put all your social media info in the episode and folks can get a hold of you if they want to but again millennialmanhood.net millennialmanhoodcip at gmail.com if you want to complain constructive criticism send us an article suggest somebody to interview whatever we'll uh, we'll figure it out but yeah thanks for listening we'll talk to you guys soon